recorded live from the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. And may I say, Amy, your makeup today is on fleek. No, you may not. What? Why? You're doing a great job with it. I know I'm doing a great job with it. You're just banned from ever saying the words on fleek on this show again. But it's what the kids are saying. No, they aren't. And besides, you're not a kid. Yeah, fair enough. But your makeup is great, especially your eyes. Ah, oh, thanks. I've been practicing and I think I've gotten the hang of these wing things. I haven't. Every time I try for wings, it looks more like landing gear. Well, then today is going to be perfect for you because our guest is Christopher Gers, and he is here to talk about what it's like to be an out and proud gay man who's HIV positive and who also wears makeup. He does his best to challenge outdated societal expectations of masculinity by just being himself. Cool. Maybe you'll give me some pointers on my makeup. It's only an hour show today, Penny. I'd be insulted if I hadn't written this open myself. We'll be right back after the traditional music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes and change isn't good or bad, it just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, hers. Last time I checked. And I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns, I don't need to check. They're always she, her. Well, you know, sometimes you just kind of go, am I faking this? Is this imposter syndrome? But then you look at your life and you go, no, it's not. Uh, that would be, that would be, uh, that's something that you need to discuss with other people I, than the people we have here today. Amy. Well, that might've been a therapy session recently, but I'm going to invoke my own HIPAA law here. So there we're not go. going to talk about that. But today we have in studio with us, uh, Christopher Gers. Christopher Gers is an out and proud gay cisgender male. Uh, we did confirm that beforehand. Uh, we took his word for it would be the actual way that we confirmed it. Yeah. Um, there's no proofing of anything here. So, um, but he is HIV positive, lives his life very vocally and proud of who he is and also shares his story very openly. And we thought, hey, this might be a new subject for us worth exploring. So everybody, welcome to Transformation Thursday, Christopher Gers. 
Thank you. You're welcome, Christopher. Thank Glad you. you're here. Glad to be here. You know, let's give us the background. You know, where 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 does Christopher come from, and you know what 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 got you through the your nickel youth? tour of your yeah. life? Definitely. So. Um, I came out my senior year of high school. Um, I'm truly blessed to have parents who um, accepted me um, with open arms. When I came out, they were like, yes, and. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, Were they in an improv class? (laughs) Right, right. So, I mean, I think it was obvious. My dad was my my, um, baseball coach, and I would sit in the field and pick dandelions. (laughs) I tried to do karate, and after a week, I was like, I want to dance ballet. So I danced growing up through high school. So after coming out, I worked um, with Sephora for a while, which took me to New York City. Um, Really, that's where I discovered myself, my sexuality, who I am, what I am. Um, And that's where I was diagnosed um, with my HIV positive um, status. And since then, I really, there's been a stigma around HIV, um, which I could understand, but um, I don't understand, don't understand being in the day of age that we are right now. So definitely... um, I find it within myself to be an open book and to talk freely about my status and about my sexuality because to me, hate comes from ignorance and the only way to break that is through education. Yeah, definitely. But you said in there, you know, you were, you came out your high school, it's still in high school, which, you know, I'm not sure approximately what year it is. I mean, I'm probably thinking 2013, 14, 15. 2002. 2002. So, yeah. So in that time of age to come out in high school, I mean, I graduated from high school in 1990, but 2002, that's still, I mean, what, you know, your parents are great, but what about your peers around you in high school? So I'll say as far as my close net group of friends, it was the best decision of my life. I really was able to make those relationships closer because I wasn't living a lie anymore. So I grew, I graduated from Clarence High School, so a very um, white high school. Um, so much- where's, where's Clarence? Because we do have an international audience. Oh, do you? So Clarence is right outside of Buffalo, about half half an hour outside of Buffalo. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, it's a very white community, not much diversity. So um, I was very out and proud there. I will say my teachers were amazing. My friends were amazing. Um, also, the, I didn't experience much bullying once I became myself. So um, it was more so before I was out that the names in the hallways and everything came out because it was the unknown. But once I was able to stand my ground and be like, yeah, so I am, it t- took the ammo away from, oh, look at the fag walking down the hallway. So um, yeah, I, you say that like it's a bad thing. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, yes, and I am. So and so, you're super cute. So after your football yeah. practice, <laughs> are you a down lineman or a wide receiver? Exactly. I'm a tight end myself. <laughs> I've I, never done those jokes. Never. Never. Never, never ever. <laughs> Not ever. Oh, <laughs> so were you the only out and proud uh, class mem- classmate in your school? So during my time period there, I was the only out Um guy out man um yes after me there were a few more Mm -hmm. um but for me i was the only one in my class that was out so and after you came out were have that said anybody as you've gone back for unions and con have come out since then in your class so i didn't like my class enough to go into any of my reunions okay that's that's that's, okay that's fine we we don't play very well in clarence anyway so well the the thing that i the thing that I'm, i'm thinking about like with my daughter yep um when i was when i transitioned she was still in high school and um, she, although she supported me and she loves me, uh, it was a little bit rough for her because, uh, you know, she, she went to a Catholic school 
And she's very conservative people. And a lot of her friends were conservative. So it was like, you know, I would have to put on what I called my Jake from State Farm clothes whenever I would do any sort of uh, school stuff for her. And she was afraid that she might lose friends for all these things. But when she, after she graduated, uh, she had this little, not it's a fairly large group of like like eight or nine or 10 or 12, depending on how many show up, group of, of, of friends. And at least half of them are are on the on the gender queer uh, spectrum, le gay, lesbian, bisexual. There's everybody. Uh, it, it seems like, it, it, but it, it's just like it, it. I wondered if it was the same thing for at your age, where there were so many people that uh, wanted to be but couldn't. It's, I will say, when you stalk people on Facebook, you look at Instagrams now, and you see that. Um, there are a lot more than what I expected um, who were in my class. And you're like, oh, really? I wish I would have known. We would yeah. have been dating. Yeah. So <laughs> Prom would have been much fun. Right? Well, and I graduated in 1990, and so was, I came out recently, and I had a class of 500. So you would figure out of 500, we would have what? As far as gay, lesbian, bi, what, if anything LGBTQ, what percentage-wise would you think? Upwards of 50 people? I was going to say one in 10, right? Yeah. One in 10, maybe, you know, Gen X. As far as I know, I'm one of three. Mm, wow. And so I know one that came out shortly after high school, one that came out about 10, 11 years afterwards, and then myself, you know, officially came out on Facebook this year, but started the social transition three years ago. So, I mean, that's a relatively small number, and I don't know if that's generational or just because of where we lived and everybody has families now and they don't want to rock the boat, you know, but it, I would also imagine, though, too, maybe they're a whole bunch of bisexual people in there, but they're living heterosexual lives and you wouldn't really know anyway. So. Or they're just deeply closeted trans deeply, folk too. Deeply. There's always that. There definitely is. So yeah. yeah, I just think maybe that's just, I think, I think Christopher here is on the front end of that social acceptance in high school because mm -hmm. your daughter and I went to the same high school, Penny, and I know her friend group, um, very LGBTQ friendly. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a Catholic school. So I think, I think that's a product of, social evolution. I agree with that. I have to say I'm blessed with the time frame that I grew up in and the time frame that I came out in because I do believe it was on the forefront of more of an accepting role. Um, even with my um, status um, being in 2000s instead of the 90s because we were just coming out of the scare of the epidemic. Um, in the 2000s, your, your meds are a bit better and you're living longer lives. So it's not as bad, but I, I agree with that well, wholeheartedly. I, well, yeah, 1990, I'm growing up, you know, and you've heard this. So, you know, we're, you know, you know, AIDS comes from, you know, jungle butt sex and monkeys and all this other stuff. And so, I mean, those, those are, so there's no way I'm coming out. And we talked about this in episode number one of this podcast. And I think you talked about it in your pod, in your episode too, is there's no way we're coming out mm -hmm. yeah. earlier yeah. than that. And yeah, that, that, and for me, I was, um, I, gra I, I graduated from, um, high school in 1977. So, um, if I if if I had come out as trans back then, there's a real good chance that at best I would be a square on a quilt someplace. Yeah. 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 So it's 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 really it was a really really dangerous time. Well, and I had a friend in high school. He got caught masturbating and got the ship beat out of him by somebody. Yeah, like no one like, else. Like like nobody else doing that. Okay. You get caught doing that now. They put you on the web. <laughs> <laughs> you asked for technique. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now you're on Pornhub. Okay, so my my question is: so you 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 went right right through it because it was like the nickel tour, but so, you were in New York City and you were diagnosed yes. with with HIV. And can you? 
talk a little more extensively about what that was, how you felt, and how it's affected your life? Absolutely. So um, my diagnosis story is funny, not funny, but funny. So I was living in Spanish Harlem at the time, and I was super sick. I was in denial at that point. Um, and I was like, I really need to go get tested. So I went to um, this Spanish uh, clinic, and lady pricks my finger, and she's trying to ask me questions to fill up that 10 minutes to, you know, and the first question she goes, she's like, are you sexually active? And I was like, well, um, if I'm not, this is the immaculate infection, isn't it? <laughs> and she didn't find it funny, but I try to joke around everything and we go on and 10 minutes passes and she screams, oh, Dios mio, oh, Dios mio. And she started crying. And I was like, well, I guess I know what that says. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it was, it was the difference between knowing the truth and accepting the truth, which I had a really hard time with because I knew going in, I was like, there's no way that I'm not um, positive. I was um, very free in New York City and um, did practice a lot of high sec or high risk behaviors, though I do know who I caught it from, um, which it was no surprise to me. So, um, but accepting, knowing and accepting were two different things for me. Um, the hardest part of it was telling my mom. Um, and to this day, so I've accepted myself and my diagnosis and it really doesn't affect me. What affects me the most is knowing that when I get sick, my mom gets scared because is it the HIV? What's going on? I mean, and we've come a long way. I was diagnosed in 2011. So her worry has gone down quite a bit, but that's been the hardest part of it is, okay, so I've done this to my mom. Well, and even within your community, there's also a lot of denial about AIDS. And and I and I don't think a lot of people outside of the community realize that how much denial there is about AIDS and how st stuff like this hurts people and continues to hurt people, and that's how a lot of the disease continues to progress through even into the into twenty twenty year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, my biggest thing is knowing your status. Like mm -hmm. it's a scary thing to do, but go get tested. Um, another thing our community is facing right now is thank God for prep. I think prep is an amazing, an amazing drug out on the market. Um, but we need more sexual education behind it because what we're seeing now is yes, HIV and AIDS rates are coming down, but you have, um, gonorrhea and syphilis and chlamydia and everything on the rise. And some are, you know, antibiotics, um, resistant strands. So, um, Perhaps not the be all end all and HIV isn't the only STI out there that we need to worry about. So um, it's definitely. But how does that mentality work of like essentially AIDS denial within the community? What's what's the rationale there for that? I think that's what I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. And, you know, as a transgender woman, we're in a very high, you know, a lot of people in our community have HIV or AIDS as well. So, I mean, I'm just trying to. You know, how do you work with people in that mentality to say, no, that's that's not the way this works. It's it's a real thing. I think trust. So um, definitely. So when I went to talk to um, my high school with their GSA, it was really um, getting getting them to trust and know that it's OK. Um, the denial factor is huge. I, I mean, I faced it forever and it was knowing knowing um, first being OK with yourself and building that trust with yourself. Um a lot of denial too comes so within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so many um, of our brothers and sisters have been um, pushed out of families and friends' lives for coming out. So 
coming out again as HIV positive or not wanting to know your status because it's a fear within yourself. Um, it's having that whole acceptance process again. So coming to reality and then accepting it. So then, you know, you can be out with it and go get tested. Okay. So there's a, a, a terminology thing that I'm noticing here. You're saying HIV positive and Amy is saying AIDS. Oh, um, am I really? Yes, you are. Oh you, my gosh. That's yeah. very sub. I mean, I said HIV AIDS once I know, but it's, but those are two separate things, and I know that, you know. Yeah, so can you yeah. talk about, I mean, I, I think that in uh, a lot of the non-queer community that HIV and AIDS are interchangeable right. as the same thing, and I do not think that's true. So HIV and AIDS are two separate, um, correct? So I thank you for that. So, And it's all based on the CD4 count. So, And it was very scary. So when I was diagnosed, um, your CD4 count, anything above um, 200, so your white blood cell count, anything above 200 is going to be HIV positive. Once you fall below that 200 status, um, you are then AIDS positive. So that's the two different um, HIV and AIDS. Um, and once you've fall below 200, that's when you're more um, um, capable of catching other autoimmune deficiencies um, or um, illnesses. So that's the major differences between the two. Um, so yeah. HIV is a precursor untreated for, for AIDS. AIDS. Yes. So I can tell you, I was at my CD4 when I was diagnosed was like 225. Ooh, right yeah, on the line. Right on the line. So, and my mom was with me when I went to get that test and it was like her only prayer was she, and that's like the one number she went in knowing she's like, this is what we need to be above. Like, and so when we got that number, it was like, okay, we're good. We're good. We're going to get through this. So, and I think the other thing too, going back to you really fast, um, talking about, you were talking about the um, denial. Denial yeah, aspect denial, of it. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I think too, talking more about you equals you. So undetectable is untransmittable um, is another way to get around that denial. So just because you have it doesn't mean you can trans transmit it because when you're on meds and taking care of yourself and you do stay above that 200 mark and you're undetectable with your viral load count, you know, you're going to live a healthy, happy life. Well, you look fantastic. Thank you. Your your skin is glowing, and I know that you are a makeup artist, but I but you you're you're very you are the the epitome of health uh, of, of here. So it's uh, it's it's really great to see you. And so, what does your what how does HIV affect your life on a on a on a some a regular basis or a daily basis? What what do you need to do? that it would be different from other people and how much of a burden is it to you? Absolutely. So daily, it's one pill. So I'm blessed in the fact that those who came before me, there were a lot of a cocktails. cocktails. Right. Um, I started on a cocktail. I was on three pills um, once a day when I started my treatment. And I was on that for about eight years. Um, I could have come off a lot sooner, but it was one of those things where I knew it was working. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Um, but the other scary thing too is when you're on cocktails or you're doing new medications, we don't have a lot of long-term study out there. So what right. are the long-term effects of these medications going to be on your body? Right. So um, that was a conversation that my doctor had with me, and we decided to go on this one pill one time a day. And so it's one pill one time a day. Um, also, watching what I eat, making sure I'm eating healthy. Um, funny story, my mother <laughs> This is so bad. So much about your I'm mother. Like, I love like this. Funny story, my mother seems <laughs> to be. I, I, could, I could make a, a, a smash cut of this funny story, my, my mother, mother with you. So yes. when I was diagnosed, my mother, her first words were me were, eat a lot of chicken. <laughs> and I was like, what? She goes, 
eat a lot of chicken. It's protein and you need to have protein right now. And I looked at her, I was like, mom, it's protein that got me into this mess. <laughs> and she goes, yes, but it's protein that's going to get you out of this mess too. <laughs> oh, I think so, I love your mother. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, um, so definitely, um, eating healthy, eating a lot of chicken. That's what brought that to mind. Um, and I do moderate physical activity. I should do a lot more, but just making sure I will tell you the biggest thing is mental health for me. Um, making sure I'm mentally in a place because it's easy to go down a dark road and feel sorry for yourself um, when you're diagnosed and um, just taking time daily to meditate and be mindful. My good friend, when I was diagnosed, she would call me every day and I would be in a corner crying and she's like, okay, what are good th three good things that happened today? And it could be as simple as I woke up, I went outside and got the mail and I had a drink of water. But just realizing that even in the bad, there is some good. Um, so the mental health is a huge aspect to keep up on. I can understand that. Yeah. It's it's in so many ways that uh, our our mind is our our worst critic and our best doctor, depending on how we how we look at things. Right. So um, you are in Rochester now. Why why are you no longer in New York City? So I moved out of New York City. Um, New York City and I have a love-hate relationship. So I was diagnosed in New York City. When I started my medication treatment, I actually moved. Uh, my family was in Wisconsin at that time. I moved to Wisconsin to start my meds. Which part? Um, they were in Kohler, Wisconsin, oh, right wow. outside of Milwaukee. So Sheboygan. Sheboygan. They were actually in Sheboygan, but I don't like to say it. Yeah, Sheboygan. <laughs> Sheboygan. I, I feel like, I feel like that's, that's like a Jerry Lewis word. I Sheboygan. <laughs> so, um, you, well, that, you know what a bubbler is then? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Right, so, um, so I started my meds in New York City and they were taking a toll on me. And I was like, you know what? I really just need to take a step back and be my be for myself. I was working at Sephora at the time and I had just opened up their new world flagship and I was I couldn't do it anymore. So I took leave of absence, went up actually to Sheboygan and Kohler area and Shavegas. <laughs> Vegas, um, and started my medica medication. Um and from there, I moved back and forth a little bit to New York. But like I said, it's love-hate relationship. And um, I finally ended up in Buffalo, Buffalo's home to me. So um, my sister and brother-in-law had my nephew, Isaac, and um, I, I wanted to be a present uncle. So Aww. while I was there, though, the decline in retail really was taking a hit. And so I started looking elsewhere and ended up um, up in Rochester, which I absolutely love. It's a great city, um, great people. Got to meet Amy. Yeah. yeah. Now Penny. Oh, yeah. God. You know, full disclosure, I used to live in Fond du Lac and Oshkosh. Oh and gosh, so, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I know them well. Yeah. They <laughs> got the, the 30 point bucks, you know, up there. Oh, don't you know that? Yeah, don't there, you yeah. know we it? Could draw the blaze uh, orange in the Packers hat and go out and do some shoveling tonight, there, Margie. <laughs> yeah, I, I really hope that there's a large part of our audience that connects with this with this oaky Midwestern crap. Because I, I'm crap. Sitting, I'm just, when you're from Paint and Post, it's crap. Trust me. I'm just like well, what the what? Paint and Post is crap. But, I, I would know. not argue that one moment. But <laughs> I don't even know where it is. Paint and <laughs> <laughs> Painted Post is... Uh, two hours south of here. Two oh, hours south. Wow. Uh, do you know where ever heard of Corning, New York? Yes. Uh, Painted Post is to Corning what Brighton is to Rochester. Okay. Painted Post is a yeah. suburb. A, a suburb, yes. The a, suburb. The suburb, yes. And, well, there's also there's also Riverside and Gang Mills and Horseheads and Big Flats. So, oh, how did so they miss I, those on the map? So, <laughs> so comparatively, you know, you know, Gang Mills and Painted Post and Big Flats, Horseheads, I mean, we won, I would say. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, it was. It's, so that's that's where we're from. And usually, <clears throat> the only time people recognize, oh, I drove past there and we laughed at your town. Yeah, that's. You know, thank Thanks. you for validating I, my existence. I have by the a recognition better story about horse heads or paint a post one yeah. or two. Yeah, I ran the I ran the um, marathon. Which one? The wine glass. Mm-hmm. A few years back, and it was so poorly managed. It was the worst race I've ever been part of. Um, but I couldn't find a restroom, and so there may be a. And uh, never mind. You left a little part of you in horse heads. I sure did. <laughs> and it wasn't a head, and I'm sure it wasn't a horse. Yep, so nothing nothing that probably any other marathoner hasn't done before. Yeah, so I, I Chris, I'm really I bet you're really glad you're on this podcast. You know, you? This yeah, conversation I, I was like, right I, now. There is nowhere I'd rather be right now yeah. than <laughs> learning about where you've left pieces of yourself. Yes. Yeah, you know, I had a job interview the other day. I don't think I'm gonna get the job now. <laughs> <laughs> well it depends on when we air this let's wait until after you find out about that it was with him oh okay then never mind then <laughs> getting to know you <laughs> getting to know too much about you i'm just gonna keep on looking at indeed tomorrow <laughs> so do you how much act you also call yourself an activist so i did a lot more um when i was in new york city just getting reestablished up here in rochester um and then when i was in clarence um with their gsa so i'm getting reestablished up here i do a lot more um I do panel speaking. I did a few last year. Um, Hopefully I'll be able to do a few more this year. Um, I'm also in the process of launching an LGBTQ travel group, Um, really just getting the community together, a community that... I wonder if we know anybody who likes travel. Yeah, gosh, Flamey, I wonder who that would be. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder who. Mm, Yeah. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yes. Who else, Amy, but? Me. Yes, of course you, Amy. It's always about you, Amy. Yep, I know. (laughs) So... Well, well, that's the reason why I think... Christopher got introduced to me is because we have a mutual friend and Christopher's looking for some contacts here who like travel or maybe LGBTQ. And our mutual friend said, um, get a hold of Amy. Yeah. We met. So that's how, yeah, so that's how we met. A lot of people get hold of Amy is what I hear. <laughs> you know? Easy. My girlfriend <laughs> listens to this podcast, okay? If you want to find her number, I can tell you where to find it. <laughs> Just as long as you don't say the bug jar, I'm good. <laughs> so, but then also the church is a huge place, so, and I'm blessed. So my mom was a youth minister, and my coming out process was difficult, um, not with my parents, but within the church, um, because um, I grew up with the United Methodist, and... And um, when I came out, um, the pastor at the time had asked me not to speak to anybody in the congregation. And my mother was youth minister, and she stepped down from her ministry for that. Um, Good mom. Right, great mom. But now the church is going um, through divorce because of the LGBTQ rights. So um, just, again, the more we talk, the more education that gets out there, um, the more, and I hate this word, normal that LGBTQ come, becomes yeah. because, but again, I feel like we're fighting a losing battle because when you look at our nation every day, we're being hit by something. So advocacy is as easy as just sitting across the table from somebody who has a completely different viewpoint of you as you and being willing to listen. Yeah. Where, where are they? And then have them listen to you because right now in the climate that we're in with, you know, barriers up and walls up with nobody but willing to listen, it's, we're going nowhere. Well, and I, you know, and that's, you, you know, talk about barriers, you know, I have a lot of conservative family in my, and especially on my mom's side, I don't keep in touch with my dad's side as much, but, you know, but I have an aunt that I'm very close to and 
her husband wants nothing to do with me. It's like, don't come around here. Don't, if you come to Minnesota, don't visit us. Don't talk to us. And so, you know, that, that's a hard spot to be in, you know, and it's hard, and it's hard to even have a conversation with somebody when they won't even talk to you. Yeah. And, and that's, and then, and I think that's the hard part is, you know, we're just people going through life, our own right. lives and we just have a little bit different experience than you do. Right. But like you said, one in 10 people are LGBTQ, especially with millennials and younger. We're, we're not going away. Right. You mean, right. obviously God made us this way, right? If you believe in a higher power called, right. called God. But if anything, we're adding more letters to our alphabet. So. Wow. <laughs> don't, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah I, Jesus is right. And that, and yeah. that's, and I understand, I grew up Methodist too. Okay. It's uh, yeah. United Methodist is what you say? Yeah. yeah. And there's like, there's United Methodists and there's free Methodists. Uh, we were relatively cheap Methodists. Okay. Hey. Yeah. We didn't drink, but uh, it was because, have you seen the price of wine these days? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's a long way to go for a bad yeah. joke. But no, <laughs> I, it's like, I'm, I'm wondering where the church that I grew up in uh, is going to be in the at, at the end of the schism. I know that there's yeah. a lot of churches here in Rochester where you're looking at them and you're just seeing the division, and it just breaks my heart to see that. And I think what's hard too is it breaks my heart to see that, but to know that your community is the cause of that, that's yeah. a lot of weight on your shoulders because I love I love the church, so and I'm blessed. I go to Asbury First Year. Mm-hmm. I'm an amazing congregation, um, but um, to know that the church is going through that because of your community. So it, in one aspect, it's great to know that, wow, look at all of the support and where we're, look where we want to grow. But then in the next breath, it's look what this, how this community is tearing apart so many people. Right. It's, it's a lot. Um, I, I don't know if that's our, if, if that, that can be laid on our shoulders. You know, I, I think that's more on the shoulders of the people of, of, of the people who are intolerant versus the, the the ones who believe that salvation is for everyone. Right. And I agree with that as well. And then I think all large churches that are worldwide in operations are, are going to have this issue. You know, if they're not having it now, they will have it. Because if you look at, okay, so let's look at the United Methodist situation. Basically, you have... You know, Europe, North America, the liberal parts of North America saying, you know what, we, we're, we're more universalist in our approach to salvation and we want to bring every, you know, we want to bring everybody along with us. Mm-hmm. And with that comes the acceptance of the LGBTQ community. But then you get places that are emerging, Africa, Latin America, the Philippines, where the church is growing like gangbusters, but they don't contribute back to the mothership. So how do you how do you balance that? And 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 that's if so if you look at you know the United Methodists, you look at the Mormon Church, you look at you know the Roman Catholic Church, they're all going through this at some level because there are liberal aspects of Mormonism that are trying to push the church forward, but yet they realize that hey, if we're going to get any growth, it's going to be in these areas that are a lot more conservative than our North American and European counterparts. So I don't know, I don't have an answer for it, but that's what I see. Yeah. Is that what you see? Is that your, I mean, we talk about liberal and conservative parts. I mean, there's sometimes they're, they're, they're side by side because I, I I think that there's a Methodist church in, I think it's in Greece that uh, is, is not affirming. There is one. Yeah, I know. And and when I was, I was, we just came from a storytelling thing where I was talking about, uh, I do a show uh, that I, I tour the country with and wherever I, whenever I'd go, if it was a Sunday, I would try to go to a church and I would look for a church that has a sign that said, all are welcome here. And I would walk in and I would discover that I was, whatever the definition of all was, it did not include me. Yeah. 
That's... And it's really sad to see that. And, it's, and, it's, and it is incredibly embarrassing and awkward to feel that way, to, to walk in and to look for something and look for a community and look to connect to God and find out that you aren't, you know, it's like you are not accepted. You, right. you know, it, it, when the conversation is I deserve to exist and the answer is no, you don't, where do you find the middle ground in that? Yeah, that's hard. And I don't think I have the answer for that. But I wasn't it, expecting it. Yeah, it. <laughs> that's a mind-blowing question, but it, it is a very difficult, especially when you're raised in the faith. And right. you're, you know, you're taught that your God in, is love. And right. then, but then so many people are like, Except you, exactly. <laughs> and even the ones, even the church, even the the, uh, the the denominations that are considered liberal, yeah. the church I go to now is ECC, which is the Evangelical uh, Christian Church or Evangelical Church. I don't even know what it stands for, but it was one of the first evangelical churches. It, it's like the most liberal of it. Uh, they they are very. Uh, welcoming to like uh, they they affirm uh, women pastors. Uh, they were one of the first ones who were uh, on, on the forefront of uh, you know black equality of everything except for where it comes to LBGTQ, where they they've drawn a line and we're on the other side of it, yeah. and it hurts. Yep, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So we're not going to answer the God question here, obviously, right? Right. <clears throat> okay, so. But we are, we, I have another question for Christopher. Is it about makeup? Christopher, we started off talking about you identify as a cisgender male. Yes. And your makeup is spectacular. Better than ours. Thank you. Better I wouldn't than say better. Our, yeah, I would. <laughs> so let, let's, let's, let's talk about that because I mean, you're, you're definitely cisgender, mm-hmm. cisgender gay male, but yet you're in your gender presentation, you're a pretty boy. Pretty well, very pretty. <laughs> so um, I mean, let's let's talk about that. I mean, how is that received in society? And how long? Well, let's go back. How far? How, how far back does playing with makeup in your world go? So it goes back to being a kid. So I remember um, my mom painting her nails and being like, "Mommy, paint my nails too." Um, and then when I was in sixth grade, I had horrible acne. And the dermatologist I went to prescribed a tinted treatment for me, which I put all over my face because it made me look flawless. And I was like, this is fabulous. So um, so ever since I was a kid, I was playing with makeup um, and I've worn makeup now a full face when I leave the house as a guy um, since I was 20, 21. I remember Boy George in the 80s when I was like 12, and I wanted to be Boy George so bad. It's fabulous. So I think it's great. So I love it, and um, I love to turn heads either negatively or positively because if you're looking at me, you're looking at me, and I like that. How do you get the glow in your under your cheekbones The glow there? under my cheekbones, that is NARS highlighter. Yeah. Well, it's probably too late to run over to support. We can do a makeup date one day. Oh, yay! There we go. Absolutely. You can come with us. Oh, thank you. Yes. Oh, I think that would make a great Patreon video. I think it might. It yeah. might indeed. Yeah, before or after. You know, like what we can do, what he can do. <laughs> and what he can do better. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, the, and the thing about it is that, you know, apart from your eyes where the, the lashes are, are incredibly, incredibly gorgeous, it, it's it, looking at you, it's like I... I, it does. It looks so natural. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I like to make you double look. Is he? Is he? Yeah, maybe yeah. He's I not like the eyeliner on the the, the waterline. Yeah. yeah, it's so eighties, right? Inner yeah. rim eighties, like. Oh, yeah. oh, it's yeah. awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So. Um, and you do not have a single pore. 
Um, your face. It's a good primer. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you, you said, you know, turning heads. and Yes. So wh- what's the reaction to a boy with a full face of makeup? Um, it depends on where you are. So, and um, who you're with. Right, and who you're with. So um, I will say for the most part, and especially when I'm at work, um, the heads that I turn aren't the most positive heads. Um, though my office is great and my employer is great, some of the clients, they're like, you're a boy in makeup. And I'm like, yes, I am. So, and that was hard for me to overcome, especially before I moved up to the Rochester area when I was still down in Buffalo. Um, I worked in an office that was very, very, um, the clientele was very conservative. So overcoming that, and I loved it. Like when a husband and wife would walk into the office and we'd be walking back to my desk and you see the husband just grab the wife's hands a lot harder. And I was like, so sir, just because I look like this doesn't mean I'm interested in you, but let, we'll talk about your wife's makeup. Don't you worry. So, <laughs> but, um, so it depends on where I am. Um, I always, I don't mind the looks. My mom will stare back at somebody who's staring at me. Mm. Like if we're out to dinner and somebody looks at me, I'm like, just let it go. And she's like, no. And she'll like stare them right down. And like, <laughs> like yes. I'm more on team mom here with that one because I walked into a restaurant the other day and this lady, after the third time of turning around and staring at me, finally I'm just like, it's not polite to stare. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? I'm like, it's not polite to stare. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> there are some points where it gets old and I get real heated. Um, actually, I was with my best friend shopping this past holiday. And we were in, I think it was Grease Ridge. No, it was um, the Eastview Mall. And we were walking around and this woman would not quit looking. And I was like, I'm ready to throw down. Mm-hmm. Like, quit looking at me. And it's not necessarily the looks as it is the little whispers into each other's ears. Yeah. Because if you have something to say, say it, because right. then I'll slap you across the face with my tongue and you won't know <laughs> what happened. But um, I don't know if it's because you're jealous or just because you're not used to seeing somebody like this. So, again, I like being outside of the box and I like being forward thinking and mm-hmm. just, you know, I'm not about I came out, like I said, when I was in high school and I'm not about to go back into the closet just right. to make other people comfortable. Right. I'm here Absolutely. and I'm, I'm proud of who I am. I grew up in cosmetics and I love playing with makeup. So and honestly, when you think of like heterosexual relationships, women do it for their husbands all the time. They put on a face to look beautiful. Like guys should be doing the same thing because there are some pretty beat guys out there that could use some concealer. Oh, yeah. You should have seen me before. I was <laughs> seriously, I was, I was, I, you know, I, I had like the big beard. I had the, I, I took zero care of myself, you know. And the way I looked was... Suicide by neglect, right? Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. That's how I was looking at it. Yeah. But it's... Well, and I, you know, you said, sorry, Penny, real quick. But you also said, you know, you said, you know, women do it for, you know, men and, you know, significant others in their life. But for me, you know, and I talked about this is, you know, I do this for me. That's why I do it for myself as well. 100. And I, and, you know, as as a... I do for me, for one, I like it because I've never been very artistic and I find that I can, I have this creative outlook or outlet now that I've never been able to do on paper or any other format. But then also, but then there's also a safety component for it. Because there's one thing for a a guy in a dress is dangerous enough, but transgender and not looking the part is also dangerous too. So, you know, it's, yeah. there's a safety component in it, especially for me. Yeah. We were talking about that. We were texting because we just came from a, from a, a storytelling show and she was like, do I dress up or don't I dress up? And I'm like, either way, you're going to be fabulous. Right. But she's, but, but she's right. We have 
this issue uh, of how do we want if if we are not completely feminine, if we are somehow androgynous, we even a greater risk of of being marginalized and attacked and laughed at. And it is it is it is just. I love to, to to bicycle. That's one of my favorite things to do is to ride a bike. And I've cut down a lot because I don't like the way I look when I'm bicycling because I look really masculine. And it just hurts to do that. And so seeing seeing a man like you look like you do, which is fabulous, is uh, it, 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 it it gives me a, a little bit more courage to, to go out and, and not worry as much. And I do have to say, I think it's harder. So when you think of the LGBTQ and you think of the T, so I think it is a lot harder, even when you think of um, male to female, mm-hmm. um, is you have a lot much, you lose so much going male to female. When you're going female to male, you're, you gain some privileges. Absolutely. So acknowledging that, like it, I totally can understand where that's coming from. And I couldn't imagine. So even the strength that you do have, um, putting your fa- best face forward, I think is brilliant. So well, our best faces are pretty fabulous. I they think, are. I think so. they yeah. are. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. saying that. But I, you know, the interesting thing, but have you ever been physically confronted because of your look? Um, so in middle school was probably the only times where I had a really hard time. Um, first of all, I feel like middle school is the worst punishment you can do to your children. <laughs> like, But they have to do it. But they have to do it. But it's horrible. And so, I mean, we lived in El Paso, Texas while I was in middle school. Oh, boy. And so I was a minority as a white boy. And then even furthermore, a minority as a gay white boy. And... Um, uh, there we, the cholos and cholas, um, would always come after me and it's, they would, it was horrible. And I ended up protecting myself by telling the most outrageous stories ever to them. And they actually fed off of it. So, right. So I was like, what am I good at? I'm good at acting and storytelling. Mm. So like they would come and confront me and I'd be like, yo, listen, you don't want to mess with me. And they're like, why don't we, I'm like, you know, the Godfather, he's my Godfather. (laughs) I was like, you don't want to mess with me. And this is the time that Rosie O'Donnell had her own like talk show. Right. Mm -hmm. And I made up this crazy ass story where it was like, so yeah, Rosie's like my aunt and we're going skiing in the Swiss LA. So I totally saved my butt from being a gay kid who wore makeup by telling these outrageous stories that they like just ate up. So, um, yeah. And I would say as confronted in my adult life, it is hard in the fact that we live in a community where we want to be accepted in LGBTQ, but the LGBTQ community is the most judgmental community of itself. Mm -hmm. So being a guy who wears makeup is really hard to meet a guy like, they're like, oh, you must be femme or you must be this or that. And I'm like, I don't think I'm I, androgynous is honestly probably the best you, word for me. Yeah. You got there before. I I was going to ask that question. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how? Yeah. So your reception within the gay community is probably. It's str- worse than anything else. It blows my mind. Oh, you're femme. You, not my type. Bears okay, don't well. like you then. You know, bears don't like me, <laughs> but no, neither do other people. So, but I tend to date the pretty boy. Like I love pretty boys too, because I, like you said, I do this for myself, but I also like to be with somebody who's pretty. Like, do, don't take care of yourself. Like I don't understand the mask for mask because honestly, that's a feminine trait looking for somebody to protect you. So, um, it is hard within the gay community to be, to be a boy who wears makeup. 
Yeah. I, yeah. And, it, yeah, and it's it's hard to be in the trans. I mean, it's, what you have is is very similar to what we have, where where people don't. I actually had a gay man one time when I was having a conversation with him and said, "You're very masculine. Why don't you just be a gay man? You'll have a lot more sex." And like this, yeah. this, this is a gay man asking me this question, and because I'm not a gay man, it's not like I get to choose this. This is the only choice I have is whether or not I'm going to admit to it. Well, I'm guessing Christopher's presentation ends not about sex. Right. No, I have nothing. Like, and I'm, I'm assuming yours is not like yeah. this. Yeah. Is, yeah. This sex is, is about sex. sex this is, is a, this is who I am as a person. Like, exactly. I love to present myself this way. First of all, I I like being looking. I like looking put together. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is, um, one of the biggest things, but it's not about sex at all for me. It's, this is who I am. And I'm at a point in my life where you're going to, I am who I am. Another great musical song. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm not going to change for anybody. So you're either going to have me like this or we can part ways and not talk. Absolutely. I think we need a round of applause in there for that. <laughs> I can, I can find one. I can put that in there. But, but the thing in, in going, going back to that, I had a, had a thought and I, I don't want to lose it. And it's, it's just on the edge of that. Um, now it's gone. I'm so sorry. What were we talking? You were talking earlier, um, about the, about the way people react to mm -hmm. you. My theory, and I don't know, I'd love to get your reaction to this. My theory is one of the reasons why we get such strong reactions to people is because we trigger something inside people that they do not want to think about, that they do not want to address about them own selves. And, and that's, that's the hard part. Because everyone assumes that we are that everything we do is about sex because quite frankly, uh, with men, everything that they do is about sex, sex yeah. and they're just, tra it's, it's transference. Yep. You know, they're as a, as a cisgender, as, as someone who pretended to be a man and, and, and did my best to imitate the most masculine people, everything that they do is a, is a game of Mary fuck kill. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to have any sort of, of, of a relationship when you have that. It's really hard to do any sort of acceptance when it's like marry, fuck, or kill. That's, there are three categories of anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, um, not only do we stir something that they don't want to accept themselves, I think the other part of it is they're hating on people for living their best lives. So Because they can't do it because themselves. Because they can't do it themselves. So finally coming to acceptance and um, being able to be who you are and saying, fuck everybody else, this is who I am, um, is a threat to those who haven't been able to do that and who are still wearing that front. Yeah. And so it's, I totally stirs up feelings within and again, ignorance and hate all come from the lack of understanding and knowledge, whether that's of somebody else or of yourself. Right. Yeah. And I, and I struggle with this too, is because I've you know, started coming out when I was 45, I'll be 48 next month. So the last three years of my process of coming out is, you know, I, I want to say to myself, sometimes I should have, could have, would have, you know, in my teenage years, especially in my twenties, when I really identified for the first time, you know, I want to be a female and, you know, there's things all over my past, but you know, that was like the time where I said, Oh yeah, I want to do that. But you know what the, the hard part is, the shoulda, coulda, would'ves, now at my age, in my late 40s, I have this incredible gift from the universe to be who I am with all that lived experience and to move forward with no regrets. 
And so, you know, I, I never wanted to become, I, I'm not trying to be derogatory, but I read a paper where 70 year old cross dressers, their number one regret was not transitioning in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. So I didn't want to become that 70 year old cross dresser. Um, that's totally understand that there's actually an amazing movie, um, gender revolution. If you've never seen it, it's on, um, Netflix. It's amazing. But, um, it talks about, um, a woman who does, um, transitioning and the surgeries and her clientele now is becoming more of that 60 and 70 year old clientele because they want to finish out who they truly have felt their whole lives. So it's, yeah. And with me, that's always, you know, that's, I look at where I am in the arc of humanity and I recognize uh, that, you know, that I am not going to have another show that I do where where I talk about dating and trying to have a relationship and, uh, I, I, I do a lot of, I'm, I'm old cause I'm 60 years old. And so I do an awful lot of, I like, I'm old jokes. I'm so old that I, uh, I've lived through five William Shatner TV series. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so old that I have used the word groovy unironically, ironically and unironically again. And then there's a line where I say, I'm so old that I hit puberty and menopause at exactly the same time. <laughs> well, yeah, which, which gets the biggest laugh. But then I go awesome. at, the, at the very end, I talk about the fact that I did that. It means I missed the middle. I missed that entire, that entire ability to, to live my life that way. And like I've already said, had I, that, that life was never available to me. And that's one of the reasons why I think, and I think Amy and I agree about this, that we are both so passionate about transgender rights for children. Because having lived through that, we don't want to see anybody else right. have to have to live through the the, the shit that we had to. And I and I've seen transgender children that were cutting themselves, who were depressed, and who were who were you know doing some of the things that are very harmful to themselves. And after they've transitioned, those mental health issues ease. They start, you know some you know maybe even go away at some level, but they're not cutting themselves. They're lot, right. so much more happier. They're so much more confident, and. How do you take that away from a child, you know, going through these toughest years of their lives? And, you know, I, I, everything else is uh, everything else but acceptance is abuse. I totally I agree, agree with that. Yeah. And I think it's really Amen. interesting to the conversation of, well, a child says they feel one way. But how do you know? But, OK, you're questioning the child who's saying they feel different. The yeah. child who says they feel the same. Right. We're not questioning that child. So where, where again, it comes down to that equality and the acceptance of, yes, a child at that young age needs to be able to have that voice and say, I feel different. Yeah, we just we yeah. just interviewed uh, Dr. Shalene Gulgos, which I say better than Amy does. Um, <laughs> For and once, it's about you. <laughs> absolutely, finally. And she, she just released the largest study ever of transgender children and how they socialize. And they discovered that when you allow a child to live their authentic gender, they don't, there's no difference. The, the ones who uh, present and, and transgender to masculine, the way they feel about themselves, the way they interact in the world is exactly the same as the cisgender male boys and the transgender girls are exactly the same as the cisgender girls. There is no difference. And it's just all in the, it's, it's all fear-based decision-making. Absolutely. And um, as a kid, I can say, I grew up playing with dolls all the time, like nothing but dolls. Like that's all I wanted was Barbie dolls. And 
I was blessed again having families. Okay, get them a doll. Yeah, like, and yet you're still and, and you're still, and still a man. And still a man. So absolutely, yeah. very pretty man. Very, uh, <laughs> but, yes. but you know, and this, I'm going to come every day. To hear <laughs> but you know, but but it's hard when you're outside of the norm. Like you know, you, your gender presentation is. I mean, you're cisgender male definitely, but your gender presentation is non-binary. We're breaking that gender binary, and the hard part of living in those non-binary gray areas, transgender areas, is it's not. We know who we are. The hard part is the bullshit from society that we have to put up with that's heaped at us as hate, as disgust, as those looks, those right. snickers, whatever they are. You know what? Just go go live your own fucking life. Right. If you have a question for me, grow, grow a pair. Yep. Ask, or not. Or not, yeah. Or whatever you want <laughs> or to Or lose grow. a pair. Okay. Or lose that a works pair. Better. Well, you know, yeah, but, you know, but, you know, it's... Ask, I'd rather have you ask me a straightforward question than to snicker at me. Right, 100%. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. Start a conversation with me and get to know me. Um, yeah. If you're uncomfortable looking at me or, you know, um, anybody within the community, if you're un uncomfortable, ask a question. Like, start that dialogue. Yeah, I agree entirely. And we've 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 had a great almost hour here. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're Congratulations, gonna... Christopher. You wasted an hour on Saturday or on a Sunday night. Well I wasted think it's a privilege. I don't think this was a waste at all. I think it's been wonderful. And I think we're going to put together sorry, Ben, I totally cut you off, but we're definitely gonna put together a makeup day for the three of us. Oh my god, I think, I'd love that. I think I, I think we need to find a fourth to be our videographer. We're gonna go to Sephora and, and raise a little cane. Do you still go to Sephora? I do I, I can't stop it it's like <laughs> that's i feel like that's a healthy addiction uh -huh. so um yes i still go i love it that's one even though you're no longer there you're even still, though no, you're still yeah. supporting the them. only thing that sucks about quitting is i don't get the free product anymore so now i have to pay for it but you know yeah. You know what to ask for, too. So, right. Christopher Gorse, I we could not have had a better hour than, than we had right now talking to you about these things. And best of luck to you in the thank future. You. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. I appreciate it. It's you, been we a enjoyed being had. So thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> yeah, you speak for yourself. I always do. <laughs> All we'll, right. We'll Good night. Right. Thanks, Christopher. And we'll, we'll be right back with our final thoughts right after this. This is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to TransformationThursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her, and wow, what a great interview we just had. Yeah, that was amazing. I was very impressed with Christopher by his willingness to be so straightforward and honest with his experiences in life. I mean, to be 18, 19 years old, uh, coming out of high school in the Buffalo, New York area, and going straight to New York City, and then, you know, as he talked about, contracting HIV, and then also working through that with his family and fighting against those stereotypes. And, you know, but that's not the only stereotypes that he fights, you know, being, yeah. a, being a cisgender male that openly wears a full face of makeup every day. And looks fabulous doing it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He, I, we, we are definitely going to put on the calendar in the next month or so that 
I think that little trip over to Sephora for the three of us, yeah. that, that would be so much fun to do yeah. with him. Is that called a glow up? Is that what that's called? I think it's called a glam up. A glam up for me, it would be a blow up, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, she, yes, he was, uh, he was very straightforward. Uh, he seemed like the sort of person that is just, you know, does not tolerate bullshit. You know, he's, he's, he's very joyful and he's very straightforward, but I get the feeling that if, if he's challenged, he will, he will not back down. And I just find that very admirable. And just comparing his life to mine growing up, because I spent my entire life in fear of anybody knowing the truth about me and the openness with which he, with which he has lived his life is just inspiring. And I'm just, it's just great to see that. Yeah, it is. And I, you know, and I'm happy for cisgendered guys out there like Christopher who are wearing, I think that makes it easier for us too. So, I mean, because the gender stereotypes are just that they're stereotypes. They don't mean anything. We, we invented this thing. And if you want to talk about guys wearing wigs, makeup and high heels, we could go back to the founding fathers because most of them did. Yeah. But let's not go there because that was an entirely different time. But, so, but but still, that shows how yeah things change social evolution and how these things change over time. So I mean, with the way we define masculinity today, you know, in a hundred, two hundred years when we're dead, yeah, are are going to be they're, they're going to be totally different and rightfully so. Yeah, hopefully we're breaking out of those because we have gotten ourselves defined into such a narrow box in our society between what men are and what women are, and hopefully. Uh, people like you and me and Christopher and everybody else who is willing to challenge those those false rules of masculinity and femininity going forward are going to do nothing but help the world. Hey, it's been a great show, Penny. Yeah, and it's great that we uh, we are champions of deconstruction. Yeah, and transformation because transformation just is, right? Yeah, it it's, just is, neither good nor bad. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's how the, the whole point of the show is just that. You know what is good, though? Patreon.com. Patreon.com. Exactly. Well, transforma supporting the TransformationThursday.com to get to our Patreon page. Yes, to support our show, which I know everybody who's listening wants to do. Yes, they do. And they should do that because we're going to continue providing this wonderful content and we're going to continue to put some more content on Patreon. And, and we're going to get some that. makeup at Sephora too. And that's going to... It's only going to be available on Patreon. I can guarantee that. <laughs> Okay, well, that's it for this week's version of Transformation Thursday. Please join us whenever you can, because we're on podcast, so you can do it whenever the fuck you want. So, but for right now, language, I'm, language. My daughter's in the studio. I'm sure she's never heard an f bomb in her life. So I'll just, I'll sit down. Aunt Penny will have a conversation with her. Oh shit. <laughs> Good night, Amy. Good night, Penny. <laughs> <laughs>